Part four of the Talking Thrush and Other Tales from India retold by W. H. D. Rouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four. A crow is a crow forever. The grateful goat, the cunning jackal, the farmer's ass, the parrot judge, the frog and the snake, little Miss Mousie and her friends. A crow is a crow forever there once was a very learned bishop who was very fond of birds nesting one day he saw a fine large nest up in an elm tree and when he had climbed up he saw that it was full of young crow chicks one of these chicks had such a winsome appearance that the bishop put him inside his hat and took him home to the palace in due time the crow grew up and as he heard around him continually the bishop and his friends talking divinity by degrees he became quite clever in divinity himself he knew all the kings of israel and judah and the cities of refuge so that at last there was no question in a divinity paper he could not answer indeed once when the examining chaplain was ill the crow did his work for him the fame of this learned crow spread far and wide until at last it reached the king's ears now the bishop had been expecting this all along and ever since he found the young crow he had been training him for a purpose i am sorry to say he was rather a greedy man and as he hoped to get something out of the king by the means of this crow he trained him to fly towards anything that shone bright such as gold and silver when the king asks me to show off my crow he thought i will ask as a price anything the crow may choose and then doubtless he will fly to the king's crown and i shall be king at the first all fell out as he looked for the king sent word to say he wanted to see the crow he was sitting in the garden with his golden crown on and all his courtiers around him and then asked to hear him say all the kings of israel and judah with pleasure sire said the bishop if your majesty will deign to grant him what he chooses for a reward he has been well taught and will not work for nothing oh, by all means said the king let him choose his reward and i will give it then the bishop took his crow out of his hat and the crow said all the kings of israel and judah quite right forwards and backwards without a single mistake the king was delighted he could not have done as much and now sire said the bishop i will let him go and tell him to choose his own prize so the bishop let the crow loose the crow was flying straight for the king's crown when all on a sudden what should he spy but a dead cat he turned off on the instant and down he swooped on the dead cat you know crows eat dead things and awful and this crow liked a dead cat for dinner better than a gold crown the king laughed the courtiers roared with merriment bishop said the king when he had done laughing your crow is easily pleased it seems well he has chosen his reward and by my royal beard he shall have it <laughs> but the bishop felt very rueful indeed all his pains and trouble lost and nothing to show for it he shook his head and went away singing to himself a little chant he made up on the spot all out of his own head i kept my crow in a lovely cage and taught him wisdom's holy page but still tis true whate'er he may know a dirty crow is a dirty crow the grateful goat once upon a time a butcher bought a goat 
but as he was going to kill the goat and make him into meat for the table the goat opened his mouth and said if you kill me butcher you will be a few shillings the richer but if you spare my life i will repay you for your kindness the butcher had killed many goats in his day but he never before heard one of them talk goats can talk to each other as you must have heard but most of them do not learn english so the butcher thought there must be something special about this goat and did not kill him the goat felt very grateful that his life had been spared for a few more happy summers and when he found himself free the first thing he did was to go into the forest to see if he could find some means of repaying the butcher's kind deed as he trotted along under the trees stopping now and then to crop some tender shoot that came within reach he met a jackal i am glad to see you goatee said the jackal and now i'm going to eat you oh don't be such a fool said the goat can't you see i am nothing but skin and bones wait till i get fat that's why i am here just to get fat and when i'm nice and fat you may eat me and welcome the goat was very skinny in truth and he pulled in his breath to make himself look more skinny so the jackal said all right look sharp and be sure you look out for me on your way back oh i shan't forget jackal said the goat ta ta by and by he fell in with a wolf ah said the wolf smacking his lips here's what i want get ready my goat for i am going to eat you oh surely not said the goat a skinny old thing like me he drew in his breath again and looked very skinny indeed i have come here to fatten myself and when i'm fat you shall eat me if you like well said the wolf you don't look like a prize goat i grant you go along then but look out for me when you come back oh i shall look out for you said the goat and away he trotted by and by he came to a church he went into the church and there he saw last sunday's collection plate full of gold coins in that country any one would have been ashamed to put coppers into the plate not because they were rich for they were not but because they were generous now goats are not taught that they must not steal but they think they have a right to whatever they can get hold of so this goat opened his mouth and licked up all the sovereigns and hid them under his tongue the goat next went to a flower shop and asked the man who sold the flowers to make some wreaths and cover him up with them horns and all so the man covered him up with flowers till he looked like a large rose bush then the goat popped out a sovereign from his mouth to pay the man and very glad the man was to get so much for his roses then the goat set out on his homeward way he looked out for the wolf as he had promised to do and when the wolf saw him coming along he thought he was a rose-bush the wolf was not at all surprised to see a rose-bush walking along the road for many were the strange things he had seen in his life and if you come to think of it this was no stranger than a goat that could talk english good afternoon rose-bush said the wolf have you seen a goat passing this way oh yes said the goat i saw him a few minutes ago back there along the road many thanks rose-bush said the wolf i am much obliged to you and away he ran in the direction in which the goat had come by and by he came to the jackal hello rose-bush said the jackal have you seen a goat anywhere as you came along oh yes replied the goat out of the roses i saw him just now and he was talking to a big wolf good heaven said the jackal i must look sharp if i want some goat to-day and off he galloped in a great hurry in the evening he got to the butcher's house hello said the butcher what have we here 
He knew that rose bushes could not walk, but he could not make out what it was at all. Ba ba! said the goat. It's your grateful old goat come back to pay you for your kindness. And with these words he spouted out all the sovereigns he found in the church, except the ones he paid to the flower man. The butcher was delighted to see so many sovereigns. He asked no questions, because he thought it wiser. He took the sovereigns, and found they were enough to keep him all his life without killing any more goats. So he lived in peace, and the goat spent his remaining years browsing comfortably in the butcher's paddock. THE CUNNING JACKAL A jackal lived on one side of a deep river, and on the other side were fields upon fields of ripe melons. The jackal was always hungry, and he had eaten everything within reach, so he used to sit on the river bank and bemoan his luck. "'All those ripe melons,' said he, "'and nobody to eat them but men. It is really a shame. I don't know what Providence is doing to treat me so scurvily.' Perhaps Providence knew what it was about, and the jackal, as you shall hear, deserved no better than he got." As he sat one day by the river, moaning and groaning, a big tortoise popped up his funny head out of the water. There was a big tear in each of the tortoise's round eyes. The jackal stopped moaning and groaning when he saw the tortoise. "'What's the matter, Shelley?' said he. "'Aren't you well?' "'Oh, quite well, thank you,' said the tortoise, and the tears slowly rolled down his nose. He was going to call the jackal Snarly, which was the nickname the jackal went by, but he thought better of it, because it would have been rather rude. All the same, he did not like being called Shelley in that off-hand way. "'Wife and brats all right?' asked the jackal. "'No measles or mumps?' This was also very rude of the jackal, because a tortoise is sensitive about mumps. If he gets mumps when his head is inside his shell, he can't put it out and if his head is outside, that is still worse, for it swells up so that he can't get it in again. "'No, thank you, my wife is all right,' said the tortoise, who was rather confused. "'At least she would be all right if I had one, but that's just it. I can't get a wife. Nobody will look at me, and that is my trouble.' And two more big tears trickled down his nose. At this moment an idea came into the jackal's crafty head. "'What a pity you didn't tell me before,' said he. "'I could easily have found you a wife last week, but now she has gone to live on the other side of the river.' "'Do you really mean it?' said the tortoise. "'Honor bright,' answered the jackal. "'Do I look like a person who would tell a lie?' He certainly did, only the tortoise was too simple to see it. The tortoise rubbed away his tears on a stump, for he had no handkerchief, and brightened up considerably. "'I can carry you across, friend,' said he, "'if you will jump on my back.' The jackal wanted nothing better, so down he jumped on the back of the tortoise, and the tortoise swam across. When they got across, the tortoise was quite tired, because the jackal was very heavy for a tortoise to carry. A fine time the jackal had on the other side of the river. He ran about among the fields, and ate melons till he was nearly bursting. Every day the tortoise came to the bank, asking whether the match was yet arranged, and every day the jackal told him that all was going well. "'You have no notion how pleased they are,' said the jackal. "'Just see how fat I am getting. They feed me like a fighting cock, all because of you.' It was indeed because of the tortoise that the jackal was so well fed, but not as he meant it. 
by and by the season of melons came to an end and all that the jackal had left were cut and sold in the market melons were dear that season because the jackal had eaten so many of them before they could be cut then the jackal stole a white dress and a veil and hung them on the stump of a tree which stood near the riverside and next day when the tortoise popped his funny head out of the water said the jackal there's your wife at last old shelley there she stands dumb as a stone not a word will she have to say to you until i am out of the way because she is too modest come hurry up shellfish and take me across the tortoise was angry at being called a shellfish because tortoises are not fish at all and they feel insulted if you call them so however he was so glad to get a wife at last that he said nothing only presented his back for the jackal to jump on flop came the jackal so heavy by this time that it was all the tortoise could do to get him across safely if he was tired before he was nearly dead now but he swam across at last and the jackal ran off into the forest chuckling at the simplicity of the poor tortoise back went our tortoise across the river and climbed up on the bank wife he called out in a tender voice no answer again he called wife but still no answer he could not make it out a bit he crawled up to the stump which the jackal had decked out in wedding finery and put out his flapper to touch his wife's hand lo and behold it was only an old tree stump the rage of the tortoise knew no bounds and he determined to have his revenge next day the jackal came down to drink at the river the tortoise was watching for him under water and while the jackal was drinking the tortoise nipped his teeth into the jackal's leg how the jackal did howl to be sure he was a great coward and even used to cry when his teeth were pulled out by the dentist so now he howled at the top of his voice let me go let me go but the tortoise held on like grim death he was too weak to pull the jackal under but he was too heavy for the jackal to pull out so there he bides his time by and by the tide began to rise the tide rose to the jackal's middle it rose to his head and his last howls came up from underneath the water in big bubbles which showed that the crafty jackal would play his mean tricks never more the farmer's ass there was once a farmer who had an ass it was the habit of this ass to lift up his voice and bray whenever he heard the church bells a ringing now in the country where this farmer lived they used to believe that a man's soul passes when he dies into an animal or something else so this farmer thought that any ass that was fond of church bells must have been a great saint in some former life accordingly he named his ass saint anthony all his life long this ass served the farmer faithfully and earned him a great deal of money at last the ass died of old age the farmer was very sad and sorry when his ass died my ass served me faithfully said he and it's only fair he should have a good funeral so he sent for the undertaker and told him to make a big coffin and put it on the hearse and buried the ass with great splendor then he shaved off every scrap of hair from his head as the custom was in those parts when anybody died and gave a funeral feast to all his relations and dressed himself in black next time he went to the grocer's to buy sugar the grocer noticed his head shaved bare and the black clothes so he knew someone must be dead a relation or a great friend 
i am sorry to see you have lost someone said he who is it st anthony is dead said the farmer dear me said the grocer and i never heard of it how very sad thought he to himself i had best have my head shaved too or else people will call me hard-hearted so when the farmer had bought his sugar and was gone the grocer went to the barber and had his head shaved then he put on a black coat and necktie by and by a soldier came to have a chat with his friend the grocer odds bobs said he what's the matter man st anthony is dead said the grocer solemnly and wiped away a tear you don't say so said the soldier off he went straight to the barber and had him shave his head and then he bought a piece of crepe to tie around his left arm he told the news to all the men of his regiment and they all felt so much sympathy with this soldier that they shaved their heads too next day on parade there was the whole regiment shaved to a man what's the meaning of this asked the general the sergeant saluted and told him that st anthony was dead is he by jove said the general then i dismiss this parade and off he galloped on his war-horse to the nearest barber who shaved his head like the men's on the way back he saw the prime minister going to court may i ask said the prime minister suavely to what untoward circumstance is due the erasure of your capillary covering st anthony is dead answered the general dear me said the prime minister you don't say so he was doubtless an ornament to the party and it is meet that i should testify my respect then the prime minister too went off to get his head shaved and appeared before the king without a single hair what's the matter asked the king anybody dead <laughs> if it please your majesty said the prime minister st anthony is dead what a loss for our kingdom said the king what a loss what a loss excuse me a moment and away he went to get his head shaved when the queen saw him she wanted to know why his head was shaved st anthony is dead answered the king and who is st anthony asked the queen i don't know who he is said the king a friend of the prime minister's so the prime minister was asked who st anthony was and replied that he did not himself know him but the general spoke of him in the highest terms the general said that st anthony was not a personal friend but he was well known to the regiment after inquiry amongst the men it was found that only one of them could tell anything about st anthony and all he knew was that his friend the grocer shaved his head in memory of him the grocer referred them to the farmer and the farmer was out in the fields then the king sent a messenger on horseback to find the farmer and bring him to court the farmer was brought into court and when he saw the king and the prime minister and general all in mourning he was very much surprised the king said to him farmer who is st anthony if it please your majesty he was my ass the king and the prime minister and the general felt very foolish to have gone into mourning for an ass they put off their black clothes but it was not so easy to get their hair back again and so for a month or two the king and the prime minister and the general and all the regiment of bodyguards went about in wigs the parrot judge there was once a fowler who caught a young parrot he kept the parrot in his house hoping that it would pick up something to say but the parrot learnt nothing at all then he set to work at teaching it but after six months the parrot had only learnt to say two things one was of course 
and the other was certainly seeing that his trouble was wasted the fowler took him to market in a gilt cage in order to catch the eye of customers he cried in a loud voice who'll buy who'll buy here's a parrot which can say anything in the world here's a clever parrot who knows what he is talking about if you want a question answered here's the parrot to answer you no matter what it may be who'll buy who'll buy everybody crowded close to see the wonderful parrot the king happened to be passing by and heard all this to do about a parrot said he to the fowler is it really true about your parrot ask him sire said the fowler parrot said the king do you know english of course said the parrot in a tone of scorn turning up his beak as who should say what a question to ask me can you decide naughty points of law the king went on certainly said the parrot with great confidence this is the bird for me said the king and asked his price the price was a thousand pounds the king paid a thousand pounds to the fowler and departed a big price you will say for a parrot so it was but the king had a reason for paying it the judge of the city had just died and the king could not find another hundreds of men offered to do the work some wanted too much money more than the king could pay some were reasonable but knew no law and the cheaper ones who professed to know everything were all germans whom the king would not have at any price when he heard of this wise parrot thought he here's my judge he will want no wages but sugar and chickweed and he will take no bribes so the parrot was made judge and sat on a big throne with a white wig and a red robe lined with ermine next day the parrot was in court and a case came up for judgment it was a murder case and when the evidence had been heard the pleader on the murder side finished up his speech by saying and now my lord you must admit that my client is innocent said the parrot oh, of course everyone thought this rather odd because the other side had not yet been heard and besides the man was caught in the act however they held their tongues and waited then the prosecutor got up and made a long speech at the end of which he said it is no longer possible to doubt that the prisoner at the bar is guilty two witnesses saw him do the deed and half a dozen caught him just as he was pulling the knife out of the body i therefore call upon you my lord to pass sentence of death said the parrot certainly at this the king pricked up his ears the man could not be innocent of course and yet certainly guilty at the same time so he turned to the judge and said if you go against evidence so clear judge i shall begin to suspect that you killed the man yourself said the parrot certainly you may imagine the hubbub that arose in court when the judge said this everybody saw that the king had made a mistake in his judge and even the king himself began to suspect that something was wrong so he said rather angrily to the parrot then it is your head ought to be chopped off said the parrot of course chop off his head then cried the king and they took away the parrot and chopped off his head without delay and all the while he was being dragged along he called out certainly 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 the frog and the snake a frog and a snake had a quarrel as to which could give the more deadly bite they agreed to try it on the next opportunity a man came to bathe in the pond where these two creatures lived the snake bit him under the water while the frog floated on the top something has bitten me the man called out to his friends what is it they asked 
then he saw the frog swimming on the top of the water oh it's only a frog said he then he went away and no harm came of it the next time that man came to bathe in the pond the frog bit him under the water while the snake swam on the top oh dear said the man a snake has bitten me the man died now said the frog you will admit that my bite is more poisonous than yours i deny it altogether said the snake so they agreed to refer their dispute to the king of the snakes the snake king listened to their arguments and decided in favor of the snake and said the man had died of fright of course grumbled the frog the snake king sides with the snake so both of them bit the frog and he died and that was the end of him little miss mouse and her friends there was once a little lady mouse that lived in a field she was all alone in the world a little old maid and she very much wanted a friend but every creature turned up his nose at the poor little mouse and not a friend could she get until at last a clod of earth took pity upon her then the mouse and the clod became firm friends and went about everywhere together the mouse walked upon her four legs and the clod rolled along like a cricket ball one day the mouse wanted a bathe and nothing would serve but the clod must go bathe along with her in vain the clod protested that she did not like the water that she had never washed in her life that she could not swim miss mousie would take no denial and said severely that if the clod had never washed before it was high time to begin so at length the clod was persuaded and into the river they went mousie went in first and the clod rolled in afterwards but no sooner had the poor clod rolled into the water than what was miss mousie's horror to see her melt away in the water and disappear mousie was now friendless again and loudly complained to the river that he had stolen away her favorite clod i'm very sorry the river said i really couldn't help melting a thing so soft i can't give you back your clod but i will give you a fish instead this comforted mousie and she took her fish and went home then she put the fish on the top of a post to dry down swooped a big kite and flew away with the fish oh my poor fish wailed miss mousie to be taken away before we had a word together then she went to the post and demanded her fish back again i gave him to you said mousie and you are responsible for him said the post i'm very sorry that i cannot give you back your fish but i will give you some wood mousie was grateful for this kindness on the part of the post so she took a piece of wood in exchange for the fish mousie and the wood went off to buy some sweets at the confectioner's while mousie was eating the sweets the confectioner's wife burnt the wood in the fire mousie finished the sweets and when she turned around to look for her wood lo and behold it was gone with tears in her eyes she begged the confectioner's wife to give her back the wood but the confectioner's wife said i'm very sorry i cannot give you back the wood because it is burnt but i will give you some cakes instead this made miss mousie happy again and she took the cakes then she paid a visit to the shepherd's pen and while she was talking to the shepherd a goat ate up her cakes give me back my cakes mr shepherd said mousie not seeing the cakes anywhere i'm very sorry i can't do that answered the shepherd because i am afraid one of my goats has eaten them but if you like you may have a kid instead this was better and better 
Mousie was charmed with her kit and led it off to the music shop where she had to pay a bill. While the man was writing a receipt to the bill, his wife killed the kid and began to roast it for dinner. Mousie looked around and wanted to know where her kid was. I rather think, said the music man, that the nice odor of roast meat which tickles your nostrils comes from that kid. I'm sorry, I can't give you the kid back, but you may have the best drum in my shop. Mousie did not like the drum so well as her kid, but needs must, and she picked out a drum and went away with it on her shoulder. By and by she came to a place where women were beating rice to get the grains away from the husk. She hung up her drum on a peg while she watched the women husking the rice. Bang! Flap! A woman drove her pestle right through the drum. Poor Mousie! It seemed as if her misfortunes would never end. When she asked the woman for her drum again, there it was, burst. The tears ran down her cheeks. We are very sorry, the women all said, that we cannot give you back your drum, but you can have a girl instead, if you like. This brought smiles to Miss Mousie's sad face, and she dried her tears. The women gave her a nice girl, and Mousie took the girl home. They set up house together and planted a crop of corn. The corn ripened, and they went out to cut it. Miss Mousie was a wee Mousie, and was quite hidden among the stalks of the corn. While the girl was cutting the corn with a sickle, she did not see poor little Mousie, so she cut her in two, and that was the end of her. End of Part 4